I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Last night we read one of the coolest parts of First Kings where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal and then he asked the Lord to provide a sign of his divinity to the people. The Lord did and he showed up in power and Elijah showed us a good example of discernment and wisdom. When you know the Lord is with you, you can expect divine things in your life, good things. Now we're moving on to chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Do you remember who Jezebel is to Ahab? Jezebel's his wife. Do you remember if Je- where Jezebel was from? No. Not Israel. Okay, she's the one who brought foreign worship kings, you know, or foreign gods into the house of Israel. Okay, so she was responsible for that. But Ahab was the king. One thing to think about in all this is the person you, you pick to be your spouse in life, like who you choose to be your wife, is important. That should be one of the criteria that we use to determine who we're going to be with in life. Right? I mean, if you're already married and you're married to somebody who is not following the Lord then I'm not suggesting that you should go leave your current spouse and go find somebody who's following the Lord. But what I am saying is that if you haven't found somebody yet, that should be one of the criteria that matters. Does this person even care that the person who created them loves them and wants a relationship with them? I shouldn't even say that should be one of. That should be, in my mind, the primary. Is this person going to help me grow more spiritually towards God or away from God? huge consideration because the word says that we become one flesh with the person we marry we're united with them in body and in spirit that means we should be moving that body and that spirit towards unity with christ not away from it does that make sense so jezebel sent a messenger to elijah to say may the gods deal with me be it ever so severely If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid, how about that, and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. That's pretty intense. A good lesson, something for us to think about here is a lot of times when we feel like we just had a major victory, 
like we're on top and we can't be touched and everything in life is going our way, sometimes it's easy to let down your guard to, you're just sort of, like you, you can reach a point where you're just spiritually, I don't want to say bankrupt, but you've just extended yourself spiritually. You've pushed your limit spiritually. And you came through this huge moment where the Lord moved in a miraculous way. And now, maybe you just feel tired. You just feel spiritually tired, right? We're in this body and the flesh a lot of times is working against us to move away from the spirit and to focus on flesh. And Elijah spent so much time here recently and had this incredible experience and now he's coming off of it. And it's important just, just to remember that, that just because you just had a big breakthrough and you're moving in your life, when you feel like you just had a big movement from the Lord, it's not the time to let your guard down because it's easy to be out of energy and fall into fear and temptation. And in this case, Elijah, he was like overwhelmed. Listen to him. He's like, I just want to die. That's basically what he said. He prayed to the Lord. He said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. That is a huge... Do you guys remember Mount Horeb? That's where Mount Sinai is. He walked... Um, he walked from north of Jerusalem to Mount Sinai. That's a long ways. I don't know. Maybe you guys don't think that's a big deal. That's a pretty big deal. Hearing that, I do agree. Yeah. That's a long, long ways. It makes me think, too, that we need to pray for our leaders. You know, when you're a spiritual leader, you know, like I kind of think I'm the spiritual leader of this home, pray for me. I need help. Sometimes there there are times when I feel like I've poured myself out at work and I come home and, you know, maybe we, we there's some stuff that needs to be done around the house. Of course, your mom does a great job with that, but maybe there's some stuff that I need to do and I do it. And I spend some time, you know, with you kids, maybe, you know, practicing something, some sport or something with school. And at the end of it, I, I am tired and it's hard sometimes to have the energy to Let's open the word again and, and, you know, and teach and, um, and hear from the Lord. Sometimes it just feels like, gosh, I, I need a break and, and it's okay to take a break. I, I think sometimes, you know, you need to be thoughtful and we do, we don't do this every night. We take a break every now and then with the people who are spiritual leaders in your life, pray for them, pray that they would know when they've overextended themselves, when they need to rest and pray that they would be given uh, comfort and spiritual recharging from the Lord because it is quite the burden on your spiritual life to give to other people something that's such a, um, a, an intimate struggle for you, right? Because spiritual leaders are not perfect. They have struggles too. 
you know, they're trying to help us through our struggles, but they, they have struggles too. And, and it's important that they're, they're prayed for and, um, and that people understand that these are not, these are not like little miniature Christs. They're people. They're people. It's important to do that. And the word of Elijah, or sorry, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. That's because he knew that was the Lord. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Mahala to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him, Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. And that is the end of chapter 19. You know, that idea that be on guard after you experience a big victory in your life, be on guard. Expect the attacks to come and remain strong but don't feel like you're untouchable because it's just at that moment we might be vulnerable to the attacks of this world to the attacks of the devil and to the temptations of our flesh okay another is pray for your leaders and if you're a leader of somebody or something make sure you get your rest you need it because you can overdo yourself and leave yourself at a spiritual deficit because you're trying to take care of other people. Does that make sense? I think the third uh, lesson here, it said that you know one of Elijah's great struggles or observations was that he was the only one left 
that was committed to the Lord. And sometimes it feels like in this country and in this world, like there's less and less people whose hearts are directed towards Jesus Christ. It's become, it feels sometimes like it's becoming less and less popular to be a Christian and to follow the things of the Bible and go after the things of the Bible when everybody else is seeming to go after the things of this world and everybody else is supporting the things of this world. And you may even get criticized for going after the Bible, but keep heart because in Elijah's day, him and Obadiah were the only ones. They were the only ones left. There was 450 prophets of Baal, but Elijah was the only prophet left for God, the real, true, and living God. So even if there's 450 people and they're all against you, when you have the word of truth, just stick strong to it. There are going to be times in your life where you feel like you're a minority. There might be a lot of times in your life. And if the direction that this world and this country is going is away from Jesus, then it's going to get more and more where you are considered unpopular because of your belief in Jesus Christ. But Elijah wasn't wrong. Stick with the Lord, even when there's tremendous social pressure to do otherwise. Stick with the Lord. Even if it feels like I'm the only one, how I can't be right about this. Everybody else believes a different thing. Remember how outnumbered Elijah was. But the true and living God lives in your heart and he will testify to you of his truth. And that's all that matters. Popular opinion doesn't matter. The truth is the truth regardless of what popular opinion believes. Know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I love you boys. I love you too. You guys are good kids. <laughs>